0: Good evening, all. Um, Thank you for having me. Uh, Our uh, San Diego Leadership Committee uh, met uh, last week, uh, just over a week ago on Tuesday. A number of uh, quality items uh, I will mention first, since that was the main uh, focus of of the meeting. Uh, The first item that was shared was uh, updates on pediatric behavioral health transfers. We had heard of some delays earlier in the year, as well as mid-year. Uh, about getting appropriate patients to care. Um, happy to announce that psychiatry leadership, along with help from the Alameda County Behavioral uh, Health, have now delineated um, exclusion criteria for patients appropriate for transfer, as well as a, a escalation process with Alameda County Behavioral Health and the STARS team, which is uh, essentially uh, manages the Willow Rock where most of our uh, uninsured and medi patients are, are transferred. Um, so hopefully we'll uh, see the fruits of that effort. Uh, the second item that was discussed was uh, actually a topic brought up by our community uh, nephrologists at San Leandro. They gave a presentation on non-catheter dialysis, which is promising. Uh, and this is a drive by our community nephrologists to get patients uh, into in and have surgical AV grafts placed as soon as possible or as soon as dialysis is indicated. And this is in hopes of avoiding uh, emergency admissions for emergency dialysis, which uh, generally requires indwelling catheters uh, that are prone to infections. Um, And so the hope is to avoid uh, these catheters to uh, reduce the number of infections in dialysis patients and emergency admissions. Um, More to come on that. Uh, The Third item was uh, introduction of PACU code blue workflow, uh, and this was introduced for comment and feedback. And uh, it will help uh, define the code blue process as well as patient movement out of the PACU when such an event occurs. Uh, this will be helpful for for staff um, in these rare events of a code blue in the PACU. Um, the uh, last item on the. Uh, uh, on the quality pillar was imaging update. Uh, all good updates here as well. The, we were told that our CT uh, trailer will be replaced sometime in December uh, slash January at the latest, hopefully, uh, to um, sort of mitigate some of the downtime that we've been experiencing with the existing trailer. And this will hopefully bridge us to our new CT, uh, in-house CT uh, in late 23. Um, and then the portable machine will be replaced with a uh, PET scanner for the system, which will be housed here at San Leandro. Uh, that will also serve as a as a backup uh, CT machine. Uh, all great news. And um, until that new machine comes, we'll hold our, our breath and hope that things. Um, well, at least the trailer downtimes are not as bad as we've uh, we've seen in the past couple of months. Um, as for the site department uh, reports, I have some interesting um, data to share uh, for, uh, for insight. Um, so San Leandro for the past five years has been accounting for one in four acute visits at AHS. Um, and considering the trends uh, of the past year, uh, that share is likely to increase this year in 22. Um, Speaking of this year, in 2022, year-to-date, San Leandro is up 8.2% compared to 2021. Um, Alameda Hospital, by comparison, is up 15%, whereas uh, Highland is up 0.01%. And the reason why I'm saying these is because... I believe the community sites is is where we're seeing the the growth in patient volumes, and there's a multitude of reasons and we can we can uh, sort of brainstorm on all, on all the causes of that uh, which there are many of but uh, needless to say the end result is that the community sites are seeing a significant increase in patients um, and I think uh, it's it's point mentioning this and making sure that we all are aware of this. Um, with that, uh, I will, I will pause for questions. I'm sure, uh, that last comment triggered some thoughts, but, uh, happy to answer those if there are any.
1: Thank you, Dr. afzali um, trustee is looking around and speak up if I don't see you. Some am the scrolling through screens, any questions for Dr. Fzali and his comments? Dr. Fasali, how's staffing going? Uh, uh, two things we've heard about our radiology and staffing. And, and I know a new staffing model came in, at least from a provider point of view, uh, with that with that swing shift, I think. Can you, can, you, can you advise us how staffing is going and is that having an impact on flow?
0: Um, so for the provider staffing, uh, we, we've been very active and actually uh, successful in hiring. the. Uh, until they actually show up, there will be uh, some some time. Uh, most of our hires are not going to be starting until July slash August. Uh, but I think the biggest impact on our flow will be uh, will be our, our nursing staffing, um, which which has uh, improved, but uh, we continue to see some some setbacks there. there there's been uh, effort made by administration, which I'm uh, very grateful for, in uh, increasing. Uh, the number of core staff, for example, in the emergency department, uh, as well as opening the third third patient to allow patients to move out of the ED. Um, uh, but the, the fact is that uh, there just aren't enough uh, folks to hire. There aren't enough nursing candidates to hire. There are more uh, uh, travelers coming next week, as I was told by Mr. Adams, our new VP of patient care services. And. Um, they can't come soon enough. Uh, I think the efforts are being made, but um, yeah, know yeah, we do continue to see some some shortages there still. Got it.
1: I uh, it, you know labor labor is an issue for all health systems across the country, and, uh, and the correlate to us uh, includes, of, of course, providing adequate and efficient service. But I direct people to look at our financial statements and our where our expenses have have gone, despite.
0: Significantly rising revenues. We're really paying a lot for registry and overtime, so the organization is investing, uh, and uh, it still seems like a uh, sometimes an unwinnable problem, doesn't it, Dr. Sali? It does indeed. It does indeed. I, I, and I, and I and I and I. Every time I mention this, I, I acknowledge the efforts that are being made, uh, but hopefully things will change in the coming year. Last comment,
1: uh, uh, remind us about the PET scanner. And it's my understanding we've never had a PET scanning service in our system, right? This is a new service to the system.
0: Correct. So San Leander will house, uh, will house the only PET scanner in the system uh, instead of the current CT trailer uh, out in the back. Um, and so we will be receiving all the, all the patients who need PET scans in the ED. And it's a, it's a, it's a CT scanner, so it'll serve as a backup CT as well
1: and I think that's
0: a strong move for our system. Agreed,
1: uh-huh. 100%. Trustees, looking for any hands from Dr. Avzali.
2: Just one question about where that CT, the current mobile CT unit
0: is gonna go.
1: Yes, Trustees, Dean Dr. Avzali.
0: Uh, so the current CT scan is in the in the back of the hospital behind the uh, emergency department. Uh, the current uh, uh, physical location of the CT scanners under construction. So the new CT scanner is going to go in the radiology department. Um, whereas uh, the parking lot that houses the, the mobile uh, trailer is going to ha- house the PET scanner in the future. I don't have a map I could throw up on screen right now. No, that's um, okay. I was
2: just curious if it's like a, a net gain to the system or if it's an exchange.
0: It, it'll be, well, that will be a net gain.
1: Feels like a net gain, which we can, which we're happy to take. Other trustees, comments, scanning room. You can speak up if I don't see you. Thank you, Dr. Zali. Good evening, course, Dr. Good evening, Dr. Joshi.
3: Hi everyone. Good evening. Thank you for having me on today. Um, just want to review my board report and highlight under community that uh, there was a strategic planning committee that met November 3rd. This was focusing on Alameda Hospital and it brought together the HS leadership and with um, the Alameda Hospital Board. So it was a really great meeting uh, with the important stakeholders. And um, we're hoping from this that we'll be able to have Future meetings that can also bring together the MEC. Uh, the idea being that strategic planning for Alameda Hospital, and this is kind of the next steps. Because of course we all know, um, and I highlight this in sustainability that Governor Newsom had voted against AB twenty nine hundred four. So what do we do next? How do we pivot in a way that's meaningful and also value added? So I'm really looking forward to what that will bring to for us. Um under quality, I want to highlight that we are excited that podiatry coverage has expanded to Alameda Hospital. Dr. Splitter um, has, is now expanding from Highland to really become um, AHS, so Alameda Hospital is the next, and that actually already has gone into effect. The schedule is available on Amion, so we're thankful for that. I also want to recognize that this is National Medical Staff Services Awareness Week and that the team that works within that group, work hard on our behalf of the med staff. They're diligent, they are the gatekeepers of our um, providers, our credentialing, and play a critical role in our entire healthcare system. Um, Also want to highlight, um, again, going back to sustainability, that we were able to have a great presentation by finance at our MEC last Friday. And one of the things that we were really glad to see was uh, an expansion of commercial payers, which means that more of our patients at Alameda Hospital, the Alameda community, are able to access Alameda Hospital. One of the really great things about amongst what this does is it also complies with the No Surprises Act um, as a result of being an in-network provider. So we're really glad for that. Uh, And that's the that's the stuff that I wanted to highlight for my report, and I'm happy to answer any other questions.
1: Thank you, Dr. Joshi. I'll open up this the comments to trustees for Dr. Joshi on Alameda Hospital. Dr. Joshi, what do you know about the expansion of the contracts? Is that is that executed? And uh, what do we project to have an impact? Will that bring more commercial to Alameda Hospital? Your, your thoughts on that?
3: I think what it's going to bring is um, it'll allow the patients who live on the island to be able to look to come back to Alameda Hospital. So from what I understand, this um, historically had made it so those who may have used Alameda Hospital for their care historically were unable to do so. So it will bring back those people, that that community back to Alameda Hospital. Um, Not sure exactly what the projections will be, but more than anything Alameda Hospital is a community hospital and we really should serve the entire community. So I think that that is really the focus of what this expansion was all about. So it's all in line for what we're trying to do and we'll hopefully you know ultimately feed into the strategic planning for the hospital as well.
1: Comments or questions? Scanning room. I don't see you happy to speak up. All right. Thank you, Dr. Joshi. Uh, before we get started with Dr. Williams, uh, Dr. Williams has been our chief of staff for, uh, for, the, for uh, the core hospital, San Leandro and Highland now uh, for two years. Her tenure ends on December 31st. She's been a great advocate for, for the medical staff here. Um, uh, Dr. Williams, I remember a conversation you and I had two and a half years ago about whether you should do it. Hopefully I didn't guide you wrong. And uh, we, we appreciate the contributions you've made uh, to the organization and uh, you still get to serve as an ex chief of staff so you get to still provide some wisdom to the med staff so um, great appreciations on your on your final report to us.
4: thank you so much dr. Bouquet and yes we did have that conversation and it was very helpful for me and learning your perspective definitely helped me out uh, making this decision and I um, serving in this role. So I really appreciate your input and guidance. Um, All right, well, good evening. And I'm going to jump into my report. Um, um, It's uh, We'll summarize a few highlights uh, from that report. Um, Our medical staff, justice, equity, diversity and inclusion committees continuing to um, function and meet on a regular basis. Our medical staff members also were able to attend um, Alameda and Contra Costa County uh, Medical Association annual meeting last week, um, which was very, um, it was very exciting event to go to. And some more medical staff members were able to join a Safety Net Institute conference on rebuilding ambulatory care this week. Um, I wanted to let the board um, know that our Quality and Patient Safety Innovation Award uh, went to uh, the Highland Hospital Pharmacy team for their outstanding work on the sterile compounding dose Error reduction project. Um, Our simulation um, education operations committee is continuing to function and the simulation center has increased the number of in-person and uh, in-person simulation events across the system. Um, I wanted to thank um, our leaders for opening Morning Rounds Coffee Shop. Um, This has been an ask from our medical staff, and uh, this coffee shop opened, um, I believe, early this week or last week. Um, I've used it a few times, and it's been really great. So thank you so much for making this happen for medical staff and for our patients. Department Chair Search Committees are continuing their tireless work. Uh, We're still looking for the Department Chair of Emergency Medicine, Orthopedics and Imaging. Um, Hopefully we will have more updates soon. Um, My understanding is that uh, we have a lot of great candidates for the Department Chair of Emergency Medicine position and a promising internal candidate for the Department of Orthopedics Chairmanship. Um, also included in your report are some um, some metrics and the data regarding patient experience um, that um, we're going to um, try to achieve. Um, for the sustainability pillar, I wanted to share that um, we're still having some challenges identifying candidates for the next term uh, for 2023-2024 term for the vice chief of staff role. Um we are exploring our t- alternative um, strategies to fill this position. And there is a possibility that our medical staff officers um, group will be short for some time, but we still hope that we will eventually find interested candidates um, for this role. And another topic I wanted to mention, since we were talking about staffing before and that it's not included in my written report, I wanted to share that we are um, having challenges with the um, anesthesiology staffing for the ORs, uh, Dr. Lang, our new chair of the Department of Anesthesiology, has been exploring and working closely with um, Dr. Achilles Warren and Dr. um helping support and lead alternative strategies to ensure OR coverage and um, support the department. So I'm very grateful for her work and efforts. Um, In addition, she has been exploring alternative call um, uh, coverage strategy to, again, help support staff of three hospitals and a number of offsites that the Department of Anesthesiology has to cover. And that concludes my report.
1: Thank you again, Dr. Williams. Trustees, I'll open it up for comments or questions for Dr. Williams.
5: Thank you for your service, Dr. Williams. We hope to see you in the boardroom and yeah, you, know, appreciate your work, especially with the integration of like so much across the hospitals that you've been involved in. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Trustee Banerjee. Trustee Williams, the, I mean, uh, Dr. Williams, this is sort of like a throw it out in the air. Why do you think that the, the, what's your theory on why the med staff is having issues finding people to take in leadership within the med staff? And I, I know Dr. Lang's problem is a different problem, externally recruiting uh, to come to here, but what's your working theory on why we're having uh, our internal people not wanting to step up into med staff leadership?
6: Yeah, that's
4: a great question. You know, we've been sort of trying to answer the questions internally and with the MEC. Um, It's probably a combination of this role being quite involved and um, busy. And uh, some of our physicians sort of um, trying, uh, possibly not being exactly sure whether they're going to be able to balance their clinical responsibilities with this additional medical staff responsibility because um, it's the volume sometimes is sort of unpredictable, just depending on sort of what comes our way in the medical staff. Um, and um, in addition, some of our physician leaders who, who, of physicians, um, who can be great for this role are already involved in a number of projects and initiatives and committees uh, both with the medical staff and the medical group Um, but we've been trying to um, figure out how we can make this role sort of more attractive for our providers and also figure out how we can better support our medical officers in the role to allow them to be successful and allow for more interest in this role I also wonder if these are somewhat maybe aftershocks uh, from COVID and from the burnout that a lot of our providers have experienced sort of getting out of the pandemic and maybe some of, a lot of them feel that they just don't have a bandwidth right now for taking on that additional big responsibility for a number of years. So those are my thoughts.
1: So it, it, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you go easy. on not on your last night. <laughs> if, you, if you could do two things, anything, you have the golden pen and whatever you wrote happened, how would we make leadership more attractive within our system for, for physician leaders? If you could just like have two things that you got, whatever you wanted, <clears throat> what would they be?
4: Um. Okay. So <laughs> I'd say that, um, it will be helpful to maybe better define um, the protected time and support that we have for our leaders. And of course that varies depending on the role, but um, sort of figuring out the criteria and our approach to that will um, show our physician leaders that we do value the time that they spent um, doing doing this work. And we, you know, we grant them that time um, that is protected for them to be successful in this role. And probably, I know a lot of our physicians have been interested in additional educational opportunities around leadership, uh, whether it's leadership academy or coaching or any other. Uh, um, Uh, options for for, to expand um, the skills and learn more about leadership it's sort of a lifelong learning really in in leadership Um, I feel like that can be helpful too
1: okay well thank you for speaking up what I to summarize I heard an investment in time in in two forms one in time and one in training is that what I think I heard yes thank you for that Trustees, any other questions? Dr. Williams, we'll continue to see you around the organization. Thank you for your service to, uh, to, uh, you know, at least on this evening and the prep work that goes into it. Thank you
4: so much. And you will still see me at the QPSC.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Williams. That closed out the Chief of Staff Reports. That's item C. Uh, We'll now move into item D. This is the uh, Man, I wanted to say East Bay Medical Group, but uh, Dr. Akilaswaran, that's wrong, isn't it? It's now the Alameda Health Medical Group. Uh, just to recall, the governance structure established is such that the Alameda Health Medical Group uh, Board reports to the
7: AHS Board of Trustees. So we give this slot uh, in deference to that governance structure. Dr. Akilaswaran, good evening. Good evening, trustees and, and audience members. Um, I am going to share the screen. We have, we have adopted our new name in practice. We're still waiting for the final legal stamp of approval, but i um, very excited to be more aligned with the rest of the system. This is actually the wrong uh, month. This is the November update. I did want to wish everyone a happy Diwali. It's um, something that I, I celebrate and it's a big holiday in my family and it was just a couple of weeks ago. So um, hopefully light is prevailing over darkness for all of us. And I also wanted to highlight a a quote from the Surgeon General who just released a recent um, report and set of recommendations toolkit on healthcare workforce burnout. Um, And uh, he has sort of five components of that detailed online on his website. Um, And one of the, the quotes that stuck out to me was emotional well being is more than the absence of a mental illness, it's that resource within all of us that allows us to reach ever closer to our full potential and which also enables us to be resilient in the face of adversity. So um, not to kind of gloss over that too quickly, but um, as we know, we just put into place a, a physician mental health benefit, but I hope that we can strive for more than just the absence of illness, but really true true wellness. Some milestones this month. this month, very related to the recent conversation around physician leadership, we are launching a learning and development program through AHMG. Um, We're starting with the AHMG physician leaders, division chiefs and chairs, and um, basically going to start engaging in a a review process. The first um, set of reviews is a self-review in four competency areas that we believe are important for physician leaders to be effective at in our system. And so this will be sort of a homegrown program. Um, From there, we'll do um, uh, learning and development plans for each leader And then next year work up to a 360 review and hopefully have resourcing that supports each of these um, kind of milestones and time points in the the program. We also are engaging with the branding agency on our visual designs. I'll show you the latest in that Um, we're going to be putting up a website that's connected to the AHS website, of course, and kind of more of a web presence that'll really augment our recruiting and marketing and just social presence. Um, on the web, um, which you know I think is just important because our physicians can be a huge selling point for our patients and for the market. And we've just never really showcased that before. So I'm um, very excited to have collaboration with the PACE team on this, but also just um, the external partners that we're engaging with. And then um, there's a lot of momentum around building a physician metrics dashboard. Um, that's really, for the first time, um, defining what metrics physicians are accountable for in our system across the board and um, hopefully we'll be very aligned with our strategic plan pillars as well. Um, and this is something that's being physician led. We have actually, we actually stood up a new committee called the Metrics and Quality Committee within AHMG. We are engaging folks from outside of AHMG as part of this committee, including our VP of Quality, Ana Torres, as well as other um, important stakeholders across the system so that this truly is something that can be applicable to all physicians across our system. And we're plugged into various um, other um, sort of existing infrastructure around data, including data governance and the SMART committee and um, also have executive sponsorship on this. I did wanna take a step back and talk about some trends in our growth as a medical group, because we're now, I've been in this role for about 20 months and um, uh, since June of last year have been reporting um, regularly to our board on sort of our total FTEs, our growth, our our turnover um, and open positions and how we're filling them. And so, just one note to highlight here is we went we've gone from 171 FTEs, meaning benefited um, uh, physicians, to 197 with a total headcount of 313 um, from 269 last year. And um, what that represents is about a 15% growth in our medical group size. Um, and if we if we filled all of the open positions we have, um, we would be at 30% growth over the last 18 months. So to me. This really represents the success in expanding many, many services for our patients, um, a lot of which had been long time coming, had, had not been invested in for a number of years, um, but also just um, bringing in leaders who are willing to recruit and kind of extend, extend themselves into their networks and, and bring on great people to, to take care of our patients. So um, really, really happy about this. Despite all the attrition last year, we're still in a very growing um, kind of phase right now. We've also reduced our attrition significantly um, by about 65% in the last 18 months. Um, We had 20 benefited physicians depart last year, and this year we've only had seven, most of which left for reasons of moving to be near family with partners um, sort of more circumstantial than um, being discontent with the the work that they were doing. We um, are also seeing just an increased pace of onboarding. Um, about 50% of our onboards this year came in our last quarter. And I'm not sure if that's cyclical or that's just represents the new pace of hiring that we're doing. So we're sort of taking a look at that and making sure we have the capacity to keep bringing physicians on and giving them a good experience as we welcome them through our doors. I do want to highlight some of our recent um, hires. Uh, we did bring on a a chief of endocrinology um, which is sort of represents a a, we had a previous gap in this um, service area we only had one provider before and um, now we're sort of building a service here so Dr. Aman Rajpal he's um, we were very lucky to recruit him Um, he was previously in Cleveland um, and moved to the Bay Area is planning to make his home here and is really um, actually working on building a team um, will provide all sorts of really important specialty care across our system We also are expanding our neurology service, Um, we've brought on some anesthesiologists, so we are filling those severe staffing shortages as we speak. Um, Our leaders are very Mm -hmm. commended for that. Um, And then we've made some really um, important hires, both on the underrepresented in medicine side. Um, I think I've spoken a little bit about the, the fact that we are piloting a program to recruit underrepresented folks in medicine, which we have sort of an internal AHMG definition for that really lines up with our patient population. Um, and so we've done, so we've already brought on two, um, two hires, one in primary care and one in emergency medicine with a number of other folks in the pipeline for that program. And then our one of our first ever um, orthopedic surgery hires in the recent history, um, Dr. Ivan Ekiston coming to us from Chicago, And we've never had a little joint surgeon on our staff before. So we're really, really excited to to have this new subspecialty for our patient. In terms of our um, leadership development. So as mentioned, we're gonna be trialing kind of a a set of competencies um, in which our division chiefs and chairs will be um, uh, given the opportunity to self-review in these four competency areas that we think are critical to physician leaders being successful in our system. And those areas are provide excellent care, create belonging, manage growth and resources, and facilitate transparent communication. And these are sort of stabs at what we think are important. We've um, vetted this with our leaders. They've actually helped co-create these um, both these competencies, but also what are the actions that define competency in these areas. And we also made sure that in each competency, there are sort of equity-related actions that that leader Um, could take, um, and hopefully at some point will be required to take to make sure that we're meeting the full um, nature of the goals of leadership in our system. Moving to our branding, um, this is a glimpse at um, kind of the Alameda Health Medical Group um, branding exercise that we're doing. Um, And uh, I know that HS at some point will be embarking on a branding exercise too, so we expect to update ours with yours. But um, really excited to just have some initial designs and be able to, um, you know, look sort of fresh and modern as we recruit positions. Some other visuals, and then finally, just to kind of talk a little bit about um, the metrics um, dashboard work that's happening in terms of position metrics. Um, it's a it's a very much a kind of an orchestra of activity. Um, there's, as we know, as I mentioned, the, the new metrics and quality committee, which is being chaired by Dr. Evan Russoha, who um, has actually a PhD that's very relevant to this area. He's very well versed, versed in data and statistics um, and is working on a lot of quality initiatives across the system. I'm sure you've heard from him. I think he presented last week to you all. Um, we're plugged into data governance and we'll be reporting regularly there and kind of keeping that channel of communication open. We had a um, good um, kind of touch base with um, Ms. Bergham last week. Um, we're doing a lot of data validation around these metrics. I mean, one of the most important aspects of throwing up a dashboard is making sure it's gonna be used. And um, it's a huge um, kind of top of mind issue for us, which, which is why we even convened an, a physician led committee so that we have champions in our system that are gonna be evangelizing this work, but also making sure that um, uh, that physicians believe the data, um, that's going to be a huge barrier, um, that the data actually seems accurate and that physicians feel that it re- it's reflective of their work and that they can impact it. So there's a lot of effort being done there that actually the committee will, will um, play a huge role in. Um, we're working very closely with um, uh, BI and um, IS to actually build this dashboard in EPIC. Um, And then very pleased that um, Dr. Tornabene, Ms. Miranda, and Mr. Amy have been hugely collaborative in um, providing executive sponsorship for this effort. So I'm really excited about this um, because it's sort of, this is steps towards accountability for physicians, but also just helping us define what does performance look like and how can we make sure that every clinician in our system is contributing to our larger goals as a system. Um, so to me, this is a this is a great kind of use of a medical group <laughs> and really represents kind of the next phase of where we need to drive um, the, the group. And that concludes my presentation. I welcome any questions.
1: Thank you, Dr. Kiliswora. Can you let us back to full screen? Thank you very much. I'll open this up for comments or questions from any of the trustees. Scanning. Ronnie, see anybody? I do not. Um, Dr. K- uh, Dr. I note that uh, two of the recruits uh, who were identified as UIM actually were internally trained uh, through the residency program uh, in medicine and emergency departments. So I think that's a what 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 a great opportunity to bring those that we trained back to our organization.
7: Yeah, and that's a huge part of this program is to make sure we capture the trainees that we. Actually um, helped produce um, and keep them here when they have lots of lots of other attractive options to go to.
1: Trustees, any other comments? Thank you, Dr. Attilaswaran. With that, we'll close out item D. We'll go to item E, committee reports, and hopefully I can gain us some ground back a little bit. Let's let's uh, do the first committee, the current uh, item E1, the current board roster. Um, a couple of comments on this on this standing item. The current roster of committee appointments by trustees is included in the packet. This is a standing agenda item. So just everyone knows uh, how everyone is. It, uh, I want to give a, a, for our last full board meeting great appreciation to everyone's service this year across all those committees. And you can see the work that each trustee does uh, when you look at that list. I think it's important to forecast that these rosters will be changing and that's uh, relevant to three important points that I wanna bring up. One, uh, trustees, Jensen and Blue will be stepping off the board of trustees. There will be replacements. The Alameda Healthcare District will give us um, uh, uh, their, their, their ex officio representative to be on our board. And then the other process, we're still uh, trying to navigate that with our with our supervisors who of course give the appointment to whoever that is. Uh, Jensen and Blue will leave vacancies on every standing committee of the board, and actually, we'll have a vacancy at one committee chair, which is Trustee Blue, who chaired the HR committee. So that's important to note. Second, uh, I want everyone to recall that the executive officers of the board are one-year terms. Let me repeat: one-year terms. They are voted on and appointed at the January meeting. Trustee Jensen has been our vice president, so uh, it's a new vote every year. But she's vacating that position. And number three, remember that the committee members are appointed by the chair of the board of trustees. So there is, again, more potential for shakeup, uh, shakeup is the wrong word, for redistribution uh, uh, amongst the committees. So just to consider, uh, I think we'll have these dialogues as, as, as a group in the, at the top of the new year. So everyone think about what committees they're on. There may be, uh, as we bring on two new trustees, Uh, We might have to talk about different timings based on schedules, I know we have some schedule issues, all things to think about everyone gets to reflect at the end of the year about their committee contributions to the board of trustees so i'll leave it there, and last I want to state that uh, again. uh, uh, Although uh, we're appointed by the supervisors, I think. um, uh, this board is remarkably diverse five of the nine trustees are women Um, five of the nine trustees are people of color. And I I think that's this diversity serves uh, this board well. So appreciation to the supervisors uh, uh, and their approval of of the makeup of this board. So with that, I'll uh, open up item E1 to committee appointments if there's any point of discussion that anyone wants to make. Barring none, we'll close E1. Let's go to item E2, the HR committee report from October 19th, uh, 2022 trustee blue's last chair committee report
8: to the board uh, it'll be really quick um, but before i start i do want to thank lorna and lynn velasquez for really going through some hard times in the hr department and i think we're fully staffed now so um, i just want to thank the leadership there and all of the people that did all the data work right because there's a lot of data work that we've launched um, over the past two years. So thank you, Lorna, and thank you, Lynn. So um, just really quickly, uh, the HR dashboard, I encourage everybody to take a look at the minutes of the HR committee. Um, We are tracking the turnover of, uh, of our employees, our physicians, and also our regular staff. And we're conducting exit interviews And that's still a work in progress, but there will be a dashboard on exit interviews on that. Um, We had a total of 176 people interviewed during that time frame. We asked them to um, rate what they thought of the organization, and 31% said it was good, 21% very good, and almost 18% said it was excellent, that the organization was excellent. Um, The top 10 uh, reasons, and I'm not gonna go through all top 10, but the top 10 reasons of leaving was the work-life balance. And I think everybody talked about the challenge of that. COVID really gave a hit to um, our staff and we're experiencing a staffing shortage. So that was the number one. Uh, The other one was uh, career change. And then also retirements were those top three there. Um, We're in line with the strategic plan where we are focused on staff and physician experience. Uh, You've heard some of the comments that people have uh, said in terms of what they're trying to do. Um, What I want to point out is in terms of the HR dashboard, that it is getting down to the level of departmental leadership so that they can discuss the results of those um, of those data, and then also discuss ways that they can improve their department. What do we do about trying to stop turnover? Because turnover is still uh, pretty big. So that is it. And then, gonna, Lorna, oh, there you go. Do you have anything else to add? Because there's also the tuition reimbursement increasing. Um, Staff engagement, the affinity groups. So, I don't know if there was anything else, Orna.
6: No, you covered it all.
8: All right. And with that, that's my last report.
1: Thank you, Trustee Blue, for a great report. And let, let me say, uh, under your chairmanship, uh, the HR committee has uh, managed a man, it's a kind of cool committee to go to and hear this stuff. So, I'll, I'll encourage our public to attend. This is the stuff that relates to the people of the organization. I think some really interesting and innovative stuff is happening there so thank you for that um with that we'll close out item e2 we'll go to item 3 e3 the qpsc report i chair the qpsc we did the regular work of the committee which was approving credentialing policies and medical staff reports and then we did a couple things i'll try not to take too long one we discussed an article on dr don berwick who, you know kind of one of the fathers of american quality. And I just uh, I'll just bring up one quote, which uh, Scott mean he's he's eminently quotable, but the one I'll pick tonight is relatively simple. You learn to ride a bicycle by getting on the bicycle, and healthy organizations are always, always trying new things and reflecting on what they've learned. So we had a great discussion about uh, Dr. Berwick, and uh, yeah, I always appreciate those robust discussions we had. That another important thing we did was we received for the first time the newly approved True North metric dashboard for the quality committee. That's 11 items. Um, that was in the packet from last month. That will be continued. We'll continue to have that as a standing agenda item for you, for you, for you to review. Um, it's just getting started. Uh, we, as everyone recalls, we approved this in July. There was a little bit of lag to let the data acquire. And now we'll be doing this. Uh, there's a new cadence um, in discussion with Dr. Tornabene and the quality team, which will allow us uh, allow the quality to migrate through each of the committees and finally up to the, to the board. So it will, it, it will continue to come through us. And those of you who go to the quality committee, you'll keep seeing that. We have two marquee presentations. One was on the Bridge Clinic. Uh, if, for those of you who have who've not heard Dr. Andrew Herring, who's an ED doctor and the medical director of the bridge program and the substance abuse uh, program here. Uh, It's it's really an amazing program. It's just one of those programs which highlights, man, the the amazing work we do uh, with with extraordinarily uh, vulnerable populations. Uh, He discussed uh, the big successes they've had in deepening multidisciplinary care. He talked about standing up a consult service, which is sort of amazing. And then uh, for the, for the web, I have a chief operations officer and a chief financial officer often hearing about these things. They're completing an FQHC process, uh, which is going to basically give them sustainability to keep doing the amazing work. And and quite frankly, Dr. Herring has been amazing at securing external funding and grants. So throw those together with an FQHC and uh, what an amazing service uh, to offer uh, in the organization. So uh We'll keep hearing from the bridge program. Last, uh, the last marquee presentation we heard uh, was actually from Dr. Evan Russoha. He's an ED doc as well, but he also holds the title of Medical Director of Acute Care uh, uh, Health Outcomes. And he really, the the presentation was sort of exciting in the data which was presented. It was really on admissions and readmissions, and I want to quote some of this as we talk about the, 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 the diversity of care that we offer here amongst our patient population. He reviewed uh, admissions data from 2016 to 2021 for all the hospitals within our system. And then he broke it down by age to race. I'm gonna give you just a few brief highlights. Um, in that period, 34.4% of our admitted patients identified as African-American or black. That's in comparison to 9.5% uh, of Alameda County residents who identify the, the same. That's interesting. Almost triple what our, what our county um, percentages are. Asian Americans accounted for about 13% of admissions versus 32.9% of all Alameda County residents. So it's sort of an inverse, one-third of, of Asian residents. Uh, Whites uh, uh, represented about 20.4% of of admissions versus 28.1% in Alameda County, so slightly less. And then Latinos were 24.8% of admissions during this time versus 23.4% in Alameda County. That was the one which was actually best matched uh, on admissions versus representation. So I found that to be very interesting. You know, uh, African-Americans and Latinos... Represent one third of Alameda County's population, yet two thirds of our admissions. Fascinating. Psychiatric disease and sepsis are the largest drivers of readmission, and multiple social determinants uh, of health are still not captured in the data set. So I think we have an opportunity to to get into that. So that was the discussion at QPSC. I, you know, it was great data, great presentations, the stuff that we're doing. Thanks to Dr. Tornabene, who actually selects uh, what 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 migrates to us. So I'll open
9: up this for comments or questions. Dr. Tornabene, anything to say on these? It just that I, I, the presentations highlight
2: amazing,
1: amazing work. It, They really do highlight amazing, amazing work that we do here in our system uh, as we strive to even be a better uh, Jedi organization. You know. Um, last was, uh, is item E, so with that I'll close E3. Item E4 is the Finance Committee, Trustee, and Chair Fox, sir.
10: All right. Thank you, Dr. Buket. Uh We started off reviewing an article called, Where Are All Our Post-COVID Patients? And the article references the surprisingly low number of underserved patients showing up for care in the COVID follow-up clinic at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Um, in discussion, our clinical leaders weren't really sure to what extent we were seeing uh, post-COVID uh, underserved patients and Dr. Tornabelli, Tornabeni, excuse me, volunteered to look at our ambulatory clinic data and to give a verbal report to the committee when it meets again in January. Uh, On to the financials, our CFO reported that we've had a rough start to the year financially Year-to-date September, we have an operating loss of $762,000, and that is $14 million behind the budgeted $13 million profit. Um, Our collection rate continues to be above budget by eight-tenths of a percent year-to-date, and total operating revenues are $21 million over budget year-to-date. The things that are causing us uh, great stress in making our financial goals are Uh, The 2,500 extra days that we've uh, sustained for length of stay being over budget at approximately $1,500 marginal cost per day. So we're talking about a $3.8 million in September alone, uh, primarily due to the lack of sniff beds. And uh, the second major difficulty we have is uh, continued high use of very expensive registry. And our registry usage is $60 million over budget, uh, partly because of the higher length of stay and more patient days uh, that we have to staff. Uh, and also we have $15 million in unfavorable rate variances in paying more on a hourly basis than we budgeted to pay. So that those issues are major challenges for us going forward. And uh, our CEO and his report talked about uh, addressing uh, especially the, uh, the length of stay situation. So hopefully we'll have better news on that. Um, not to be un- outdone by QPSC, we also had two marquee presentations at our meeting.
2: Uh, the,
10: first was, the first was the COO report that was given by Mark Brown, who's the chief administrative officer at Highland. And he started out by reviewing the MORs, which is monthly operating review meetings, Now being done, and the major topics of those meetings are employee injuries, financials by location, down to the unit level, labor efficiency, which he reports is good, and that sitter usage is down. So that's a favorable development. And Mr. Brown reported on detail on length of stay issues by unit and diagnosis. Excellent report by Mark Brown. Uh, We also had a terrific report, our second marquee report by Tangerine Brigham, about an update on Medi-Cal Managed Care. Uh, She talked about the fact that Medi-Cal is 61% of the budget of California Health and Services Department, and that Medi-Cal covers one-third of the California population. Hard to believe, but those those are the numbers, and I've heard them elsewhere as well. Uh, And in 2021, AHS realized $100 million in cash flow through Medicare managed, Medi-Cal managed care alone as supplemental reimbursement in addition to the regular Medi-Cal managed care rates we get paid. And the supplement, that supplemental payment is based on quality, achieving access and et cetera. And one other uh, uh, quote that I think is worth repeating from uh, Ms. Brigham, which she mentioned a couple of times is, to manage the population, we must see the population. And that's where access is such a major challenge and an important thing for us to achieve. We're responsible for the financial care of uh, several thousand people, and we've got to make sure they get in to see us or we can't really care for them and manage their care. So uh, an outstanding report by Ms. Brigham. The other thing we did is we approved the amendment to extend the behavioral health services agreement with Traditions Behavioral Health, which will be part of our consent agenda tonight. And that is my report, Mr. Chair.
1: Thank you, Mr. Chair. Trustees, I'll open up for comments or questions on uh, the Finance Committee, scanning or to speak up. Trustee Fox, I'm just going to reiterate what you said, uh, uh, that your two marquee presentations were wonderful as well. Uh, Mr. Brown had an amazing command of the data, and I love numbers. And, And Ms. Brigham always seems to find a way to provide clarity on something which is extraordinarily confusing. And I, I think, I think her packet uh, should be uh, I think it's included somewhere, Madam Clerk, in, a, in our in our board library. Uh, it's just uh, every once in a while after, you know, Ms. Brigham actually makes it sound easy when she's teaching. I have to go back and look at it again to relearn it, but the, that's a, it's a great slide set to have for us to keep reviewing as we come into it.
10: Yeah, I would advise anyone who is fuzzy on that managed managed medical to take a look at that report because it's very well organized, uh, just as Dr. Puget says.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you, Trustee Fox. Scanning one last time for trustees. Any comments or questions? That that'll close item E, the committee reports. With well, this, we'll go to item F. There are five items on on the slate, trustees. Before entertaining a motion. <laughs> to approve the entirety of this uh, Consent Agenda F1 through F5. Are there any items that need to be removed for discussion? Trustee Friedman, do your thing.
2: I'll move past- I'm going
11: to have to come off mute to do it. I move the Consent Agenda.
1: (laughs) I'll second. Uh, Madam Clerk.
9: Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Justy Blue, Aye. Justy Chapman? Aye. Trustee Esteem? Aye. Justy Fox?
1: Aye.
9: Justy Friedman? Aye. And Justy Splendoria?
1: Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. So with that, we'll close item F. All right, we move into item G. There are a lot of things on item G. We're gonna try to move uh, through these relatively quickly as much as we can. Uh, we're, we're about two minutes ahead of time right now item g1 are our audited fy 22 financial statements for the public know that we have to go through this process every year of auditing our financial statements our our partners at moss adams uh we have uh john finesse and uh, brian connor who represent this this was a dense read um but it's such important stuff it was a hundred pages long um there's a slide set of course included I'll say to uh, all our employees and our public and anyone interested in Alameda Health System, really, really put this one in your back pocket and try to read it. It really gives a nice snapshot uh, of us. It's, it's dense reading, but I think it's an important thing to, uh, especially for all trustees, to keep reading again and again. I've had sort of three strikes at it and I'm still like learning something every new that I've seen. So I'm going to give this to Trustee Fox to lead us in. And we, we, we gave 10 minutes to this, but Trustee Fox, you take whatever you need, sir.
10: OK. Um, I wasn't uh, prepared to do this, but I I, I I would like to make a couple of comments on yes, it. Sir. One, um, if you're reading this um, as a non-financial person or a member of the board or finance committee, uh, this audit report is a great reference on many of the financial uh, arrangements, especially with the county that uh, Kim Miranda has talked about in her various monthly reports. Um, so I would advise uh, that the, the most uh, educative part of this report are the footnotes because in the footnotes, is where uh, you might think that the auditors are explaining in detail and defining what all of our financial relationships are uh, with the county, with our payers, the estimates that are made on the financial statements. Uh, I would recommend don't get too deeply into the pension discussion, because even that left left my brain twisted up like a pretzel. But in fact, these comments are not the comments of our auditors. They are written by management and reviewed by the auditors. So the footnotes are, are just a great primer. They're like a textbook on the finances of AHS. And if you're fuzzy on the definition of certain supplemental revenues or on uh, reimbursement from Medicare, Medi-Cal, uh, the supplementals, uh, how COVID was handled, the different pension plans that we have—not the accounting for the pension plans, which is very arcane—but the plans themselves, just about any significant aspect of the of the organization's finances, uh, the footnotes are a textbook, and they're they're very well written, and they they explain these things very well. Uh, I'm not going to read through all the financials or quote all the numbers, which would take forever. Uh, let me say that they that uh, the, the audit bears out our roughly $200 million in operating profit during the year and about $180 million drop in our net deficit. If I recall the numbers correctly, the important thing for the board uh, and our constituency to know is that uh, the uh, auditors expressed an un conditional opinion uh, on our financial statements. In other words, there are no ifs, ands, or buts. They are basically saying that they feel that our financial statements do accurately uh, represent the financial condition and performance of the organization uh, beyond a reasonable doubt and that the financial controls that we have in place um, are uh, sufficient to give the auditors comfort that the chances of something happening that would cause the (laughs) financial statements to be materially misstated um, are very slim. So they don't look to express uh, critique of our financial controls, but they do look at them so that they can say that they are adequate to give them the confidence that there are, there are no that there should be no material misstatements of our financial statements. Um, I'll leave it there uh, and, and take any questions. So I'll, I'll just leave a final comment, and that is to kudos to Ms. Miranda and our entire finance team. Uh, Getting through an audit like this is a massive undertaking. Uh, There are dozens and dozens of schedules that have to be prepared for the auditors. Uh, They come in and tie out every line uh, on the statement of financial condition. Uh, They do not prepare the financial statements. That's something that our staff does. So as I said, they do not prepare the footnotes. That's something that our staff does and they don't do the accounting month to month and, and year to year, uh, you know, you may have a, a CPA who prepares your, who prepares your uh, tax return every year, and they actually produce the documents, but our CPAs, who is Moss Adams, uh, do not prepare the documents. They review them and they review all our underlying uh, uh, transactions and, and procedures, but we prepare the financial statements and we prepare the schedules that they review and we prepare the footnotes uh, and it's a a massive project. So congratulations and thank you to our finance staff.
1: Thank you, Trustee Fox, that was a a great summary. Uh, uh, Trustee Friedman chairs our audit compliance committee. Trustee Friedman, sir, any other comment on on this process or anything that was discussed last evening?
11: Uh, Yeah, we reviewed the audit also and uh, found it to be uh, very comprehensive, well done. And uh, I echo
2: the kudos
11: to Kim Miranda and her whole department on excellent work. Uh,
1: Ms. Miranda, I think is in the room. Madam CFO, any comments?
8: Well, thank you for that recognition. I really do appreciate it. We do have a top finance team and we did, you know, we do a lot of work Uh, to get this audit, you know, over the finish line. Ann Metzger has been phenomenal. She's been here for years. Um, We have a great team. So thank you for all of these, you know, wonderful
5: comments. Thank
1: you, Ms. Miranda. I see
5: Trustee Banerjee. uh, Trustee Chair, I, I wanted to say that sometimes when we just hear the report, the work, that goes behind it is, it just seems um, smooth, but this is an intensive process. So both to the audit and compliance committee that actually kind of works and has, works with Moss Adams and has like two or three meetings in which they pre- you know present the pro- process, but also the, the incredible amounts of work that the finance, uh, Kim Miranda and your team does. And they're, you know, it is meeting the deadlines because we have to have the uh, approve the uh, audit, but also to make sure that you know, like like uh, Trustee Fox said it's the they only check the internal controls to the extent that it's relevant for the statements. but really it is the deep controls, financial controls, the internal controls to make sure that our statements are transparent, are, True, Um, that is, um, so thank you for that. And also thanks to the audit committee that does both the external audit as well as the internal audit overlooking that. That's a thinly, um, um, yeah, thin committee with only two or three members, but you hold a lot. So thank you.
1: Yeah, again, yeah, thank you to the audit compliance committee. Uh, as Trustee Banerjee said, there is a lot of sausage making which happens behind the scenes for the, for us to get a nice report here. So uh, uh, Ms. Miranda, give your team uh, a, a big round of applause. We want to. So um, with that, um, this is an action item. Trustee Friedman, sir? <laughs> I move uh, acceptance of the audit. i
9: second.
10: second.
1: Uh, we had a second from Banerjee. She she beat Trustee Fox out for that. Madam Clerk. Trustee Banerjee.
9: Aye. Cat.
1: Aye. Lou.
8: Aye.
9: Chapman. Aye. Esteem. Aye. Fox. Aye. Richmond. Aye. Insplandoria. Aye. Lucindas.
1: Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Again, uh, I would would say it it, it behooves everybody to read that report again and again and again. It's the financial guts of this organization which keeps us moving. So great work to everybody, Uh, audit compliance, finance, and, of course, the the finance team. Uh, Item G2, uh, this one's an interesting one. This is for authorization of teleconference meetings. As everyone recalls, we've basically been a Zoom board, practically since uh our inception practically and that's unauthorized under the the state and this state of emergency uh uh i'm going to give this one to general counsel in a second but the long and short of it is effective february 28 2023 the emergency uh allowance ends and uh there are going to be requirements for in-person meeting uh, vis-a-vis the Brown Act and, and the like. So um, I'm gonna, hopefully I gave you the bullet point enough on this. Uh, council, can you give us further mm-hmm. guidance? It's actually a nicely written document that that, that council wrote out for us over one or two pages, which summarizes the conditions on which we can do some teleconferencing. Council, sir?
11: Yeah, uh, thank you, Chair Bouquet, That was a great summary. Uh, and uh, as you noted, uh, every 30 days, your board was required to make a finding that meeting in person would pose a threat to the safety of those folks who are attending in person. Um, but that uh, all, that requires a predicate, which is that there always has to be a state of emergency in effect. That state of emergency will be lifted on February 28, 2023, from uh, my understanding. So beginning March 1st, we have to go. Uh, back to uh, our uh, Brown Act, the traditional Brown Act teleconference rules, or what they created a new exception, and and that exception is uh, is um, detailed in your uh, report there, which is actually more onerous than the traditional uh, Brown Act uh, 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 teleconference rules. And Trustee Clendorio has mentioned in the past, you we can even. And uh, the new world. I mean, you know, going back, reverting back to the old Brown Act uh, teleconference rules, we can still have it, but there are a number of conditions that we have to meet. And I, I'll just go really quickly. For example, the agenda must identify the teleconference location, so wherever you're going to be uh, calling in from, that address has to be on the agenda. The agenda has to be posted at the teleconference location. The tele Conference location must be accessible to the public, meaning it also has to be ADA uh, accessible, Um, and the public must be allowed to participate from that remote location. Um, So you can do it still, but you you see how there are a lot of uh, of hoops you'd have to jump in in order to be be able to do that. And I'm here, of course, in case uh, one of the trustees have to do something like that, and I can help, uh, but we do need much more notice uh, beginning on March 1st if a trustee is not able to make it so we can make sure we're uh, checking all of these boxes. Um, And again, there is a new rule, a a new exception, but as I said, that new exception is more onerous than the one that I just uh, went through.
1: So council, this exception seems to go run counter to the way the world has gone. And, and I'd like to have some comments on that. Is there, is there further legislation or pursuit to maintain us as we are? Uh, what, uh, do we have legislative redress or, or is this, it is what it is?
11: Uh, uh, Chair Bouquet, so I think uh, it started with where we are now. Most people wanted it to, uh, to, to stay, uh, the status quo, the COVID status quo. But as it went through the process, the various committees, there were a number of stakeholders who felt it was important that the public be at the place where the decision makers are. Uh, so that's how it ended up at the end. It started exactly uh, at AB 361, the current COVID rule. It made its way through the various committees and it came out uh, with much more restrictions, uh, almost, like I said, more I, they appear more restrictive than the traditional Brown Act teleconference rules.
1: Okay. So I, I think with, uh, at least with this, we have four months planning because this will have impact on space access here. What room do we do it in? We need to make it public. We used to do it in the big conference rooms. Now that those are uh, currently being used for vaccinations. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of logistics stuff. So uh, for trustees, just to put this in their brain, as everyone knows, we we strive to have the full board in person and all subcommittees remote. But you're saying uh, council, or my interpretation, council is this is all committees, including subcommittees of the board, effective March, will need to be in person unless exceptions can be made, and you can guide us through those exceptions.
11: Yes, absolutely, and and, and as uh, I pointed out, Chair Bouquet. Uh, we're back to the traditional exceptions. So it's gonna be a much harder. And and, and if a trustee needs to uh, uh, take something from home, uh, please work with me in advance and we can try to figure out either the traditional uh, exception or uh, the new exception. We may be able to do it, but again, it's a very difficult high standard to meet.
1: The new standard. Trustee
2: Will we continue to broadcast meetings uh, for the public to watch and record meetings?
11: I believe we've always, I, I don't think we've had it live, but we've always uh, had it on, we always put it on our intron net. And uh, there is new legislation that I'm looking into and I believe we may actually be required to do that. So I'll, I'll circle back with you all on that. So there is, no, there is no problem with us continue, continuing to provide uh, you know, this hybrid fashion for the public. This only applies to the trustees. Uh, so executive uh, staff, for example, can take it from a remote site, but it's just the trustees.
1: OK, um, other trustees? A silence falls on the trustees. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there a comment? Did I missed? Nope. Okay. With that, um, uh, so this is an action item, right, uh, Council?
11: Yes, Chair sure. Bouquet. We need to continue to approve the thirty-day finding until March first.
1: D- didn't we do that in? Did we not do that in? Didn't we do that in consent? we did not no we
11: moved it to an action item to question oh, sorry,
1: sorry. I thought the sorry item f5 I thought was pursuant to ab361 okay so uh, I'll, I'll entertain a, a motion
2: so move. somebody else do it thanks <laughs> <laughs> I got your back <laughs> I'll second Trustee the aye Trustee bouquet
9: aye. Trustee Blue aye Chesty Chapman. Aye. Chesty Esteen?
11: Aye. Chesty Fox? He's somewhere, I think. Aye. There he is. Justy
9: Friedman? Aye. Chesty Splendoria?
2: Aye.
9: Motion passes.
1: Thank you, everybody. With that, we'll close out item. Did we do that well enough, uh, the Council?
9: Okay. <laughs>
1: With that, we'll close out item G2. Item G3 is relatively easy. This is the forecast for the 2023 Board of Trustees calendar. The short of it is, we're going to maintain. We, if, if approved, the projection is to maintain the theme that we've been doing, which is finance. Which is Wednesday evenings. The first Wednesday evening of the month is finance. The second is full board. The third alternates between audit, compliance, and HR. And the fourth is quality. Um, uh, we're, we're gonna be taking on two new trustees. Uh, I don't know if that takes on, moves the calculus of timing, but we get to approve uh, the committee calendar this evening if, that's, uh, be, uh, if, if we so choose to do. Note that we still need to determine a retreat. Um, uh, we, we strive to have two retreats a year and, uh, and, and joint meetings with the soups, uh need to be somewhere included. But this is sort of the uh, forecasted state for the year. Uh, So I'll open this up for any dialogue on our calendar. Any desire to move uh, from the current structure that we have?
3: If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah.
2: Yes, sir. sir. Um, I think that every Wednesday meetings are quite predictable and and helpful for digesting what's to come. When you say that we're going to set this calendar in advance of the new trustees, are we setting this for another calendar year? What's the time frame that we're making our approval?
1: We're approving this for the 2023 uh, calendar, not fiscal calendar year. And, and of course, like we always do, we adapt. There was an audit compliance committee meeting last night, which I uh, uh, failed to attend because <laughs> I didn't keep on my calendar. But sorry, Trustee Friedman. Um, um, but with with other other exception, we, we sit to the Wednesday counter, and we, as a board, we get to adapt if we need to. So we're basically approving a forecast.
2: I have no objections.
1: With that, can I take a motion from
2: Happy you? to make a motion. Yeah. One second. Can I make a comment?
1: Uh, who was that? Uh, Splendorio. Trustee Splendorio. Yes, sir.
0: Yeah. So my initial reaction is there is no way I'm driving to Oakland three times a month. That's not going to happen. So if you had one day a month, I might look at that. Um, But my initial reaction is in light of uh, going back to the, the way the Brown act was before is it's um, incredibly burdensome on me. And um, uh, so you're looking at either me resigning or figuring out another accommodation. So I'm just letting you know up front. Yes, sir.
1: Trustees, any other comments?
2: I think we'd be sad to lose you, Splend. I and there is, I think what Ahmad was saying, I've had this experience on other Brown acted boards. A public notice of where you take the meeting and an invitation then for the public to attend is all it takes. So if you want to welcome Yeah, I
0: know how to do that. I've done that, many, I've done that many times with LAFCO. I know how to do that. That's what I'm saying is I can do that at my office. Okay. But I'm just saying that going to Oakland is really, that many times a month is not gonna, just takes too much away from my family.
1: Yes, sir. Duly noted. Trustee Banerjee, I think you had something to say.
5: No, I, I think I was saying that the, Calendar we are um, we are approving with, with this motion will be with the understanding that two new members will be coming in and we will also be making sure to ensure that their accommodations or their, their participation is taken into account. I do feel though as a trustee who has been on the board when we've had uh, meetings in person, and especially when we've thought of meeting across facilities that the, um, that the quality of meetings, discussions, and the engagement of trustees increases a lot when you're in person. And also, I mean, today I came halfway to on the freeway and there was a big accident yeah, on 580 West and I had to turn back and come back home. So I also know that things happen and to have the option of being um, able to Set your uh, geographic location and take it. Um, take it um, virtually is good, but we would like hope that as may, as often as possible, feasible, that uh, our trustees are able to come and visit the facilities.
1: Thank you, Trustee Banerjee. I think there's something to be said about being in the room together. Trustee Friedman, sir, I see your yeah, hand. Yeah, is
3: there any possibility of considering moving the meetings up to 4.30 or 5?
1: Uh, we, we can have whatever discussion we want as, as, as trustees. Um, so so I, I'm i happy. We're, let's decide that in uh, bring that to the next point of discussion, I suppose, in January. Is, is it okay for, uh, to, for the first quarter or first two months to, as we kind of reset and take on new trustees and assess their schedule. And we'll put this as a placeholder for discussion of perhaps maintaining day, perhaps moving time. Okay. Is, is that acceptable, Trustee Friedman?
9: Sure is. Okay. okay. Right.
1: Ms. Miranda, did you say something? uh trustees any other comments on schedule taking this all in you know uh you know uh coming from far away understood this is why uh you know i think uh uh releasing the emergence or or releasing the standards for how we do it uh comes with challenges we've been relatively efficient and there's something to be said as trustee banerji said for being in the same room together so finding that that quote optimal schedule is something that we can continue to have for so for the foreseeable future. Uh, We can make this a standing agenda item, our calendar, um, at least for the first quarter of 2023 calendar. We'll maintain it as it is if that's acceptable with everybody. That way we can forecast for the year after we also take on new trustees, which trustee freedom, we may not meet our new trustees till February or March, anyways.
11: Chair Bouquet, for for your uh, regular board meetings, for your full board meetings, uh, you have to set that in advance at least. Uh, I'm looking at at our policies and procedures uh, in January for the other committee meetings. uh, Otherwise you would have to call them uh, special meetings and uh, and there are restrictions on what you can do in those special meetings as a full board. Um, But for committees, as long as you give 72 hour notice, you're not required to, uh, you can you can uh, call them regular meetings, but for your regular full board meeting, uh, you have to, uh, at least at the annual meeting, by the annual meeting, set up a time of when you want the regular board meetings to be uh, uh, conducted. So you have until January uh, maybe we can consider it again in January.
1: Thank you. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll quote one of our trustees, if it ain't broke, let's not fix it. Yet, dot 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 yet. <laughs> so, I think. Did we already have a motion in a second? Justine and Okay, uh, can we uh, call? Can we roll call this?
9: So, the motion is to approve the calendar as it's in the packet. Yes, ma'am. Chesty uh, Banerjee. Aye. Chesty Bouquet. Aye. Chesty Blue. Aye. Chesty Chapman.
6: Aye.
9: Chesty Esteen. Aye. Chesty Fox.
6: Aye.
9: Chesty Friedman.
6: Aye.
9: Chesty Slendario. Aye. The motion
1: passes. All right, thank you, everybody. That's item G3. We'll go to item G4, which should be relatively quick. It's entitled, Board Performance. Um, uh, Reflection on how we function as a board, I think, is an important one. Uh, I'm going to hand this item to uh, trustees Banerjee and Esteem, who've done some uh, hard, again, continued hard work for the board uh, on a self-assessment tool. And they'll uh, they'll give us a preview on what they've done uh, and and talk about the launch of it. Trustees Banerjee, in
5: Thank you, Trustee Burkett. So uh, the board has an annual evaluation, and again, uh, this is a look at uh, a look back at the year, and we assess how we have done vis-a-vis uh, you know our oversight, our duty of obedience, loyalty. Um, and all all of the different elements and our oversight of financial, strategic, operational, clinical, um, the the elements of board responsibilities. So we have been working with the Governance Institute, just as they worked with, we partnered with them to do the CEO annual evaluation. We also have been working with them to do the board evaluation. We've gone back and forth and they have an instrument that they, this is a, um, a new instrument that they have, uh, but we've also been able to customize uh, elements of it and put questions that are very pertain and germane to our AHS board. So it's been a process of two months of going back and forth, tweaking the instrument and doing it. We had a last round of test uh, testing today, and uh, we are on schedule to launch this on uh, November 11th. Um, this will be open for two weeks, and we really hope, A, we hope even for our departing uh, trustees, Trustee uh, uh, Blue and Trustee Jensen, to also complete, because you you have been, you know, you, your shoes are will be very hard to fill, and your presence has been such an incredible gift to this board, but you will leave us with a lot of wisdom that we will have. So there's opportunities here for quant data about how we perceive our own um, uh, performance, but also a lot of uh, space for qualitative data where we can, where board trustees can talk about like what are the biggest issues that you uh, think the board should be working on? What should we be doing? So, um, so uh, we hope there'll be like 100% uh, participation and completion of this survey. Uh, Trustee Esteen and Trustee Jensen have been amazing at uh, looking through the survey questions, updating them, and then also testing the links. So anything else, Trustee Esteen?
2: No, really, kudos to you, Trustee Manager, for all that you've done spearheading this and navigating the process in a deep way with uh, the the Board Institute. You really, uh, I can take no credit Trustee Banerjee has really led this process and has done so much to make sure that many, many processes behind the scenes take place. So thank you for your work. I'm happy to just proofread what you do and yeah, it's all to you.
1: Agreed, yeah, thank you. Thank you for that deep and hard work. And again, how important for us to reflect on ourselves and do that. Trustee Banerjee, so um, you'll, you'll, uh, you're, once again, you're forecasting a launch this week open for about two weeks. What, what do you think about data assessment? And when will this, when would you forecast this is ready for representation? Is this a February kind of thing?
5: So we are working with them. And, and I should have mentioned that is that with this two week um, that we have, if we don't have to keep extending the deadline, despite the December holidays that the Governance Institute staff will have the staff team will have, they will be able to get us a board report so that at the start of the year, by January, the first board meeting of the year, we will at least have in our board packet um, uh, or for us to review a report of what we did the year before because then that kind of helps set the tone too of looking back how we did and looking forward what we should be uh, thinking about. So the report will be ready in time for our January board meeting with the calendar that we have right now, second week of January.
1: Excellent, Trustee Banerjee. Madam Clark, we'll keep that as a hold on an agenda item for board performance and we'll review these documents and Probably trustee Banerjee will believe lead us through this with trustee's esteem uh, uh, on on sort of the interpretation and sort of the summary. Happy to help out and contribute, however however needed. So that board performance, that's item G four. Um, we have one item left on the action discussion forum. It's entitled CEO compensation. This was not included in the consent agenda. This was actually included in the action discussion item because. Uh, public reporting on public employees requires statements made in public. Am I doing this right, Council? Um, so I'm going to read the statements uh, uh, on the conversation and then I'm going to open this up for dialogue on the point. And, and trustees, this is in follow-up to prior discussions we've had. There are three bullet points relevant to this agenda item. First, Consistent with the 3% compensation increase received by all eligible AHS unrepresented staff on 3 6 a 3% increase in the CEO's base salary applied retroactively. That's point number one, to be consistent with all eligible AHS unrepresented staff. Point number two, consistent with the 3% COLA received by all eligible AHS unrepresented staff on 7 a 3% COLA increase to the CEO salary. Point number three, in accordance with section 3.1B of the CEO employment agreement, a bonus of 10% to the CEO base salary. And this wasn't said, but consistent with, with, with that executed elements of the executive leadership team. So that's just a read of the key elements. Did I do this properly, council? Did I get it? Okay, great. Now I will open it up for dialogue, discussion, motions, anything that uh,
5: trustees want to have on this report. On this, this is Kinkini. Um, um I'd like to just share that one of the processes that we did was the board CEO evaluation, just to remind folks. That was launched in uh, in the uh, in um, Mr. Jackson's year one with AHS, he was interim, and then the board approved a permanent appointment for him in January. So this uh, board CEO evaluation was uh, shared with over a uh, 115 uh, partners, both external and internal, and internal partners across facilities across. Positional authority across divisions, um, and uh, we got ninety-one responses. So we did have uh, the R board, and did uh, you know the Governance Institute created a very large report of all of the um, um, feedback that had given. So I want to send a very very sincere gratitude to the the ninety-one people who gave feedback to the board because what you see before you today is a testament and is a, it was informed our CEO compensation packet. So we, we have that and the board also made some recommendations to our CEO with, with the information that we got uh, unanimously glowing feedback from both internal and external stakeholders and we will be Uh, You know, we've asked our CEO, you know, based on some of your feedback, goals, specific things that are strong elements of our CEO that, you know, continue doing some great suggestions that have come on, both from internal and external stakeholders that, you know, James could be doing. We also want to make sure that we have really strong metrics that uh, for performance metrics that we have. So lots and aligned with our strategic plan. So just a lot of um, uh, elements over here, and some of these um, things that are on our, will be retroactively um, assigned because um, in parity with the other members of our E.L.T but I'll take um, open for other discussions.
1: Trustees, any comments or questions? I'll, I'll comment to Trustee Banerjee. Again, you sat at the center of many of these evaluations and that so again, the board should be uh, remarkably appreciative of the work you've done in, in, in along these two parallel processes, uh, not only for the board, but for the CEO. Trustee Chapman, I see your hand up.
6: Yes, I just wanted to, um... Uh, Thank uh, Trustee Vanerjee for uh, being able to lead us through the process. We actually, um, I was one of the committee members as well that helped in the um, drafting the executive summary and just looking at the overall surveys. And we uh, shared with our CEO some of the successes. And and we also shared some of the challenges and, and came up with some metrics over the next year that you know would be worked on and so I really appreciate um, the open and candidness that we had during that discussion just point of clarification um, the two three percents the one that was in March and the one in July um, our CEO did not receive so this is his first time receiving those right the other all the other employees received it but he did not receive it and then the 10% bonus is a one time payment. It's not something that's ongoing on his um, base salary. Is that correct? That's correct, uh,
11: Trustee. Okay. The 10% is a one-time
1: bonus.
6: Right. Okay.
1: Any other points of discussion?
5: Um, I And I thank you, uh, Trustee Chapman. I would just say that huge thanks to Trustee Friedman, Chapman, Esteen to be part of this subgroup that uh, worked on the, uh, the board CEO evaluation report. So um, amazing teamwork.
1: Yes, agreed. Amazing teamwork. Big lift. Trustee
2: Yeah, I'd like to say that uh, it's been reiterated many times over that we as a board have one employee. That employee is the CEO of the health system. And it is our charge to ensure that uh, we maintain the leadership of the organization. Um, we know that James became CEO after quite an upheaval, and we've seen the trajectory of the health system go straight up. You know, things are looking really positive in a lot of ways. And it is a testament to the reasons that James became CEO, because he was trusted, because he is an excellent communicator, because of his ability to uh, turn this vast ship around. And uh, I think as with many performance evaluations and the result of performance evaluations, when they are positive, uh, people get rewarded. Uh, It is also, that this is a civil service organization and folks get raises on the schedule. The CEO, however, does not have a simple setup in that way. So we went through a rigorous process to ensure that we had objective measures to assess our sole employee. And it is through that process with many more people giving input than just the nine trustees that we came to this decision. So, you know, it's because of James's work. It's because of the work of the executive leadership team. It's because of the work of the every single staff member within the organization and the dedication to really healing, serving, caring, teaching, and being of benefit to the entire community, serving all. Uh, AHS is better because of your leadership, James, and This is a token. Thank you for those words, trustees team, and and throw back on, uh, let's throw a little bit
1: of uh, kudos back to the trustees for doing their fiduciary responsibility, going through the process, the sausage making process, that was, I mean, people can't appreciate how many tens of hours of work there is behind this led by Husky energy and the support, all everyone in the supporting cast for all these things. So uh, go team. So um, I'm looking for any other comments and then I'm happy to entertain a motion if there is
11: one. Uh, Chair Bouquet, I'm so sorry to interrupt. This is uh, not important, but just for the record, first, yes, uh, we're not a civil service organization. Uh, just for the record, in case anyone else is listening. Always okay. listening,
2: counselor. Always listening.
11: <laughs>
2: I <High> aspirations.
11: <laughs>
1: so um with that I'm 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 willing to entertain a motion on this item G five. Don't move. Second. Uh that was Trustee Fox, seconded by Trustee Esteem. Uh, let's do a roll call, Madam Clora.
9: Trustee Banerjee. Hi. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Chapman. Aye. Trustee Esteem. Aye. Trustee Fox.
1: Aye.
9: Trustee Friedman.
1: Aye.
11: Trustee Slendoria.
1: Aye.
9: The motion passes.
1: Congratulations, Mr. CEO. Thank you for the good work. Keep leading us. Um, with that, that, that'll close our action discussion items, item G. Well, man, we're a little bit ahead of time. Don't want to take credit for that one. So, number uh, item H board calendar and tracking. Just everyone recall that we are dark in December. Um, there's been a little bit of movement. QPSC will actually occur uh, next week, not uh, uh the Thanksgiving week. Uh, what do we, do we have anything on week four, or that's the last meeting of the month? That's the last meeting of the year. So, so, the last meeting of the year will be the QPSC next Wednesday and then we go dark until uh early january so um uh any tracking items that anyone else would like to add on to our our list barring none we'll close item h uh our staff reports are included uh uh, that these are little hidden gems always take a look at the staff reports they are are they're really well written and they and they keep us all abreast of what's going on with that we got through um, the open session we are now close uh, going uh, we're finished with the open session and uh, we'll go into closed session audience we probably anticipate uh, we will be in there Council on I was estimating 30 to 40 you think we can do it better
11: I think that's right chair Bukai.
1: okay so um, uh, we'll come back and uh, see if there are any action items council. Thank you, Chair. Actually, Trustee Esteem has a finger up.
2: Yeah, there's a portion of our closed session that I will be recusing myself from because it is a discussion with SEIU 1021 and within the last 12 months I was on the payroll.
1: Thank you, Trustee Esteem. Council, yeah. can we make that the second item so Trustee Esteem doesn't have to hang around in limbo? So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll make that the last item so she can go for the evening after that.
11: And so, uh, uh, Trustee Bouquet, uh, apologies. So, the other uh, post session item will, will require us to close this meeting and then open a new meeting, meeting and go into close. That came to our attention after. Uh, it's a special meeting. Uh, so, we do not have, we only have one item in this. So, we should be able to, to uh, get through this part pretty
1: quickly. With, with trustee esteem?
11: No. Oh,
1: okay. So okay, got it. I'm a little bit not falling so quickly this evening. Okay, so we're going into close.
11: Yes. uh, Thank you, Chair Buquette. The board will now uh, go into closed session and consider those items as stated on the agenda.
1: All right, take us out, council.
11: Thank you. The board met in closed session and considered those items as stated on the agenda. The board took no reportable action.
1: Okay, thank you, Council. Everyone, that closes the 11 9, 2022 uh, regular Board of Trustees meeting. Um, everyone, have a good evening. We will now open uh, an 11 9, special board meeting. Um, Council, roll no call. Thank
11: you, um, Trustee Bucat. Uh, uh, Trustee Blue? Aye. Trustee Friedman? Aye. Trustee Esteem, not sure if he's. I think we, one of us needs to call <coughs> her. Uh, uh, Trustee Splendorio? Here. Trustee Chapman? Aye. Trustee Fox? Here. Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Jensen is, uh, is absent. We have a quorum, Chair Bouquet.
1: Thank you, Council. Is there any public comment?
11: We do not have public comment.
1: Thank you very much. There are no open session item meetings for this uh, special Board of Trustees meeting. Uh, we'll be moving directly into closed session, Council.
11: Thank you, Chair Bouquet. The board will now go into closed session to consider the item stated on the agenda.
1: Thank you. Everyone have a good evening. We should be here for about
2: 10 or 15 minutes.
11: <clears throat> Chair Bouquet, we're in open session. Yeah, you're muted. Uh, Mark, if you can unmute, please. Sorry about that.
1: Can you hear? Yes. I, I, I've been using a chief operating officer as a very ah. expensive IT tech. <laughs> um, uh, we will return from closed session. Thank
11: you. Chairman. Uh, the board met in closed session and took no reportable action.
1: Thank you, everybody. This closes the uh, November 9th, 2022, special meeting of the board. Everyone have a wonderful evening.
2: Thank you. Good night.